Father, Lord, we pray that this time will be a time in which you build your church by drawing us nearer to Christ. That this will be a time in which we sing praise to you, that we have our hearts built up and edified by your word. God, help us to love you more through this time. God, we also recognize we are not the only church that is gathered here or around the world. And Father, while they are not gathered this morning due to COVID, we do want to pray for Emmanuel Baptist Church up in Salem and for their pastor, Larry Shelton. Father, Lord, we pray for our sister church there. Uh, we pray, God, that you will keep uh, their, their congregation safe from this virus, even as they're dealing with it. God, we pray for, for mild cases of uh, no serious uh, illness. God, we pray that you will uh, be with, with that church and help them to rest firmly in the hope they have this Christmas in Christ. God, strengthen this sister church. Help them to stand firm upon the truths of the gospel. God, we also want to pray for our brothers and sisters in South Asia that are laboring for the gospel. Lord, even uh, the video we saw this morning was a brother from South Asia laboring on this behalf. God, we want to pray for uh, this unnamed brother and others like him that are laboring there in South Asia amongst uh, Muslim people. God, Lord, there are many Muslims in, in nations like India, there in Pakistan, all that make up South Asia. God, we pray for the work these missionaries are doing. We pray that they will be faithful and bold to proclaim the gospel. And Father, Lord, we pray that you will overturn minds that have believed that Jesus is nothing more than a prophet, that there's no way he could be the Messiah, that there's no way he could have died on the cross, or that you would uncover these things, or that you would reveal in their hearts that Jesus is the Messiah, that he willingly went to the cross to save sinners. He who knew no shame became shame for us. God, we pray for this work. We pray for you to save many there in South Asia. And many hearts will believe, turn from sin, and run to Christ. God, will you do this for your glory this Christmas? Father, Lord, we also want to pray for our sister and her family uh, and, and for Ginger Hayes and the loss of her dad. Father, Lord, we pray that you would comfort Ginger and uh, the rest of her family in this time of grief. Help them to grieve well, knowing that uh, we, we give praise to you for Tom being a believer. Father, Lord, we, we praise and we rest in that. But, Lord, it's still not easy. Lord, they still will face grief. And we want to hold our sister close. We want to lift her up in prayer. God, be with her. Comfort her and comfort those around her. Help them in the days and weeks ahead as they, they face this loss. And yet comfort them in knowing that they do bring the hope. That we know the one who is the resurrection of life. And that is helpful in moments of grief because we know we shall see those that we have lost who are in Christ again. Father, will you comfort our sister? Will you comfort her family in this 
God, now as we prepare to open the word this morning, God, help our own hearts be encouraged in this truth, that we have a king who's come for us, to rescue us, to save us from our sin. God, help us to have our hearts encouraged by this truth this morning. Help me to preach your word faithfully, and Lord, help me to build this body up by your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you think about stories of rescue, what comes to your mind? Is it things such as firefighters, paramedics, police officers, lifeguards, that go in and rescue in the moment of danger? Or is it the childhood heroes of, of the Avengers, Power Rangers, Turtles, X-Men, you name it? Is that what you think of when you think of rescue missions, of, of the heroes of the day coming in to rescue uh, those in distress and hurt and pain? What comes to your mind? Maybe it, it's longing just to be rescued from a virus. But brothers and sisters, this morning I want to talk about a different rescue. A rescue so much more powerful and so much deeper. That God himself came at Christmas to rescue sinners such as you and me. That's where I want us to turn in our text this morning of Genesis 3.15. If you have a, a Bible, uh, go ahead and open up with our physical or digital copy. We have one big picture in the Bible. The story of the Bible is not a bunch of heroes. It's the story of one hero. One rescue, namely the coming of Jesus Christ. That he is the only hero of the Bible. David fell, Solomon fell, Abraham fell, Noah fell. We, we like to paint these as heroes, and yet the reality is they're no different from us. They're in the Bible because not of what they did, but the one they trusted. And that's where I want to point our hearts as we enter this Advent season or series. Really, Advent began last week. But, but as we enter this short little three-week Advent series, I want us to focus on the one who came, Christmas, Christ our King. Advent, in, in its meaning, simply means this. It means coming. So Advent is a season of remembering the one who came, Jesus. That's all, all Advent is. Yes, we, we spend some time, we slow down, we light the candles, we, we have our readings, and Brendan Stacy, thank you all for, for leading us in that congregational reading this morning. It, it helps point our hearts to this one that came, so we can slow down and remember why he came. But why something like Genesis 3.15? You're probably, if your eyes are already glancing at the text, you're probably wondering what in the world what kind of pastor did we actually hire two months ago, three months ago, whatever it's been? Uh, but here, in this text, we see the first promise. In Genesis 1 and 2, we have all of creation being created. God spoke a word and it was created. He created all, and after each day it was deemed it was good. He created man, made man and woman, and his image and his likeness to further and care for his creation. He gave him 
called them to be good stewards of it, to, to care for it, to be fruitful and multiply in continuing to have people that would care for it. And all was good. He gave them but one rule, not to take of the fruit of the forbidden tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As their creator, as their king, this is the only rule he gave them. Do not eat of this tree. Never mind the million other trees around that are yours to eat, to partake. This one tree is all you can't have. And yet, as we enter the story of Genesis 3, we see the fall of men. We see them disregard. So, for the sake of context and setting up Genesis 3.15, I want us to take a moment and read all of Genesis 3. So, hear the word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the tree of which I commanded you? The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, that he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve. Because she was the mother of all women. 
And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand, and take also the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the land, or ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim, and flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So I read the whole of Genesis 3 for us to get the full picture of what just took place. The fall of man. Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent, but yet willingly disobeyed God. They ate of this fruit of the tree, and therefore they were cursed. Sin and death entered the world after eating of this tree, of this fruit, and all of us along with them. <coughs> look at, at how the, the fall takes place. Let's look at Adam and Eve and the serpent here as they're addressed. There in verse 8, and they heard this, or uh, verse 10, sorry, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Then in 11, he said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? The man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. While it was the woman who was deceived, God first asked Adam, what did you do? He called out to Adam because Adam was his creation. Woman was taken from Adam. Adam was charged to leave, and yet it's Adam here addressed. And it, it kind of has a chiastic structure. It goes man, woman, serpent, serpent, woman, man in the first human. So let's look at here what is charged to man for his fall. There in 17 it says, And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So, so man's labor is now cursed and hard because of this sin. The full effects of sin are, are seen here in this uh, warning of what's coming. Man will get food by the sweat of his brow. Brothers and sisters, when you, we realize work is hard and tedious and, and the sweat of our brow, it's a result of sin. This sin that has come into the world. And this is what is shown here for man. Now to the woman, it says... To the woman, he said there in verse 16, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary or for your husband, but he shall rule over you. So in sin, even relational conflict is seen. All that relational struggle we have, whether it's with a, a husband or wife or friends or family members, all is a result of this sin that is just taken. It's all a result of the curse that's come. It's a result of the curse that has spread to the ends of the earth. All the violence, all the hate is a result of the fall of man. And then to the serpent, there in 14, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, 
and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise her head, and you shall bruise his heel. All of this is to set this whole thing down. Here's what I think is the main point of the, this passage of Genesis 3.15. The seed of a woman came at Christmas to lay down his life for us. He defeated Satan in striking his head, and he was nailed to a tree to pay for death. Genesis 3.15 is a story of the coming seed who was to go to the cross. That's it. That's the main point. So, so I'll say it again. The seed of a woman came at Christmas to lay down his life for us. He defeated Satan in striking his head, and he was nailed to a tree to pay so I want us to look at this in three short points. The curse of sin, the coming deliverer, and the joy of Advent. So let's look here at the curse of sin a little bit more. What was started as good is completely undone. It was left in chaos and hurt. Maybe this year, more than any, we felt the pains of sin and creation growing. We see that creation is growing as a pandemic has spread and, and taking lives and making people sick, making people long for being able to be together again, to hug one another, to, to shake hands. All of this is a result of the fall as creation is undone. The result of all the pain and the suffering. But why do we focus on something like this at Christmas? Why do we focus on this when we're thinking about the coming of Jesus at Christmas? Namely, because unless we see why of Christmas, we can never appreciate and cherish Christmas. Brothers and sisters, we must stop thinking that Jesus merely came as a baby so that we can put up trees and lights and decorations and have family time. Unless we see that Jesus came to rescue us from sin and death, we do not cherish the Savior who came at Christmas. We must see the reality of our sin, of what we all have done. We've all stood as enemies of God. And yet, here at Christmas, God himself came to rescue sinners. He didn't come for the well. He didn't come for those put together. He came to rescue sinners. Think about here, in the midst of, of his curse, of his judgment against the serpent, in 3.15 he writes, I will put enmity between you and the woman, hostility, division, tension, and between your offspring and her offspring. This idea of collectiveness is what's being created. So, so all the generations this is going to take place, it's going to be for the whole of the people. Right in the midst of this judgment, he, being the seed of the woman, shall bruise your head. Crush it. Strike it. The hope of the gospel is first given here in the midst of God's judgment against the fall of man. The first glimmer of hope and yet, and you shall bruise 
we see Christmas is about the one who came to deliver us from this sin. The seed of the woman that was promised long ago has come at Christmas. God himself came at Christmas to rescue us from sin and death. That's point number one. Looking just at the reality and the need of Jesus this Christmas. But let's look at the beauty uh, and point to as a coming deliverer. Just who is the seed of the woman that has come? One, it is God himself. God himself has come. The beauty found here is that he came. At Christmas, we celebrate this fulfillment of God's promise from long ago. From the very moment man fell, God had a plan that was set in motion. This wasn't a plan B. This was God's plan from the very beginning. He knew what he was going to do. All those years when it seemed as if hopeless waiting, okay, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to figure this out? He had a plan. His plan was his own son to come to rescue. But how? Well, he came as a suffering servant. Isaiah 53 gives us more clarity here on what it means when Jesus would strike the heel or the head of Satan, that his heel would be struck. Hear the word of the Lord from Isaiah 53, 3 through 12. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquitted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has said on him the iniquity of us all. What has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is that before its shears is silent, so we open not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief, or he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their names. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgression, transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. At Christmas, the suffering servant came. He came not just as a baby to, to stay a baby. Do you, 
ever watch the movie Talladega Nights, in the scene where uh, Ricky Bobby, the, the race car driver, is praying with his family, all he does is pray to little baby Jesus. Well, that's funny at a, a moment that you've seen it. The reality is how many of us leave Christ in the manger? How many of us see Christ as only coming to be born? The reality is he came to be born, to live, to die. He came to lay down his own life for us who are guilty of sin. He came to lay down his life that we may have life. He came to be cursed, to break the chain of the curse and the sin and guilt that had us Brothers and sisters, this is what's coming to Christmas. A Savior who loved us and was willing to lay his own life down. When we begin to think of Christmas this way, we can rightly rejoice at what has been done for us. Christ came, was innocent, was nailed to that tree at Calvary. For us. He came to suffer and to die. We understand Christmas when we run to the cross and don't stay at the manger. Christmas is worthy of rejoicing when we run to the cross and not stay at baby Jesus in the manger. Let us rejoice in that. Let us see the seed of the woman has come to give his life as a ransom for me. Therefore, with that, let's turn to point number three, the joy of that. So in this point, I'm going to just give some encouragement for us to think about as we reflect on Christmas this year. I'll give these as I go. First up, remember the need for Jesus this Christmas. Christmas isn't about Jesus coming for the well. He came for broken people. Therefore, we need to reflect on our need of Jesus. Spend some time thinking, if you've been a Christian for a long time, Spend some time this Christmas thinking about who you were before Christ. Think about your own desperate need of Jesus and what he's done for you. Spend time reflecting on the fact that he came to die for your sins. That he came so that you may escape the curse. Reflect on that this Christmas. And it will create a gratitude Think about the fact that Jesus came to go to that cross. He came to be pierced for our transgressions. Remember the cross at Christmas. Bluntly, think about it. For it is the cross where Satan is defeated. It is at the cross where Christ laid down his life for us. So remember the cross this Christmas. And finally, Remember, Christmas is for the weary, struggling, and broken. Brothers and sisters, we 
may find ourselves very weary of him. For whatever, whether it's COVID, whether it's life, whether it's family tension, we may find ourselves weary and broken and just win. I want this to be done. That's why Christ came. He came for the broken. He came for the weary. He didn't come for us to have it all together. He didn't come for us to be just okay in, in whatever life throws. He came so that we may be yoked to him, that he would bear our sin, our sorrows, our griefs. That we may find our joy and comfort in him. This is who Christ came for. He came for those that might be struggling with sin. He came for those just weary in life. He came for the broken, for those that seem hopeless. That is who Christ came for at Christmas. Or maybe that you or her Somebody you know is lost. He came for them too at Christmas. Christ came. Not for trees, not for decorations, not for family, not for celebrations and traditions. He came to rescue the weary, the broken, the lost. Hear the words of, of a new Advent song that just came out. Oh, come all you unfaithful. Come weak and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. Oh, come, barren and waiting ones. Weary of praying, come. See what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. Brothers and sisters, this is our Christ. This is our King who has come at Christmas. God's love was shown for us in Christ, His Son, come to die so that we might live. The greatest rescue mission of all time began at Christmas. Actually, it began right in the midst of life. Because his seed, his son, was promised to him. God was faithful to fill it. The one we celebrate coming into the world is this promised seed. So if God was faithful to fulfill this promise in the coming, if he was faithful to, to fulfill the promise of, of his own son going to the cross, to die on the cross, to be stricken for us, how much more will he be faithful to fulfill the promises made to his children that we will be with him in paradise, that we will be with him forever, that every tear Every sorrow will be wiped away. So as we think about Christmas, let us also think about the second coming of our Messiah King, who came once to rescue us and will come again to call us home. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. Father, Lord, as we reflect upon this this morning, as we reflect on, on Genesis 3.15, God, may we marvel at what you have done for us in Jesus. May we marvel and, and overflow with thanksgiving and rejoicing at your grace to us. The fact that Christ came, lived, died, and rose, all to deliver us from the curse of sin. God, we thank you. God, help us to be a people 
that rejoice in this, but also then a people that go and declare this mess. 